Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. An answer to what we've been waiting for. Teach us what it is to survive our Christian walk and relationship with you. It's not a coincidence that we find ourselves in your house this morning. And we just pray, oh God, that you would connect with our hearts and revive our spirits. And that this word would not return void. And I give you thanks for the opportunity to continue to hear your calling upon our lives, your love, your wooing us into your presence and into your purpose. May we do what Paul instructed us to do, to forget that which lays behind and stretch forth to that which is ahead, that we might capture and see that which you have prepared for us in your purpose. Allow this word to be still yet another encouragement that those who move forward and move ahead shall see your glory. Let this word be a good seed planted in each heart that would not return void. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I was contemplating, you know, you read the Bible and as you read the Bible, the Bible promises in Psalm 1 that he who meditates in the word of God, the good book, day and night, everything he does shall prosper. I learned this when I was 16 years old. I wanted to be a successful person and I wanted to meet with successful people so they could give me the keys to life and success. And when I read these words in Psalm 1, they were powerful because the man who entrusted to me these words and spoke these truths into my life had handed me off the greatest gift I could ever receive upon the earth. It's in Psalm 1, verse 2 says, He who delights in the Lord, the law of the Lord, and in his law meditates day and night, shall be like a tree planted next to the rivers of water, who brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf will not wither, but whatever, whatever, whatever he does shall prosper. And all I've done since I began to read the Bible at the age of 16 is prosper and prosper and prosper and prosper and prosper and prosper. And every day I wake up, I know that I will have a, a date with destiny, an appointment with God's incredible life. He says it like this, I prepared good works for you to walk in. Every day is something made before I even wake up. So I wake up in the morning and say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. It doesn't matter. The good, the bad, and the ugly. I know that whatever comes my way, it's all created and forged for my prosperity and blessing. And so as I was thinking on this and just meditating on this reality, I was reading Genesis chapter 45, verse 26. Again, the, the, the discipline to 
get in the Word of God. The discipline to read and meditate and consider this Word. And you know the life of Joseph. Joseph, a young man in the book of Genesis, who uh, he's born into a family. He has uh, 12, there are 12 brothers. His father, Jacob, uh, is, is really impressed by this young man because Joseph, Joseph wanted to slam dunk it. Joseph wanted to obey and honor his father. And when you obey and honor your father, God begins to open up his purpose for your life. The Bible says in Romans 1.21, because they did not consider God and to, they weren't thankful, they weren't grateful, their minds darkened and they became blind. They couldn't see the future. But if you do the opposite, if you're thankful, you're grateful, you honor those God has given you, God will open up your eyes to see your destiny. God will open up your mind to see the supernatural. These are called visions and dreams. And so Joseph saw one of these dreams and he saw that God was taking him to a great big place. Listen to me. I don't know any dream or vision of God that doesn't take you to amazing heights of God's purpose. Not based on who you are, based on who created you. The biggest travesty that could happen the Bible says that he who does not find his purpose in life, it, it says even though he lives to be 2,000 years old, it's better that he would have been an abortion. It would have been better to not live one day if you don't fulfill the call of God on your life. How sad that we are enticed and distracted in every direction. Say with me, every direction but God's. We're doing a thousand million things. We're over at the gas station. We're downtown. We're at the mall. We're at our friend's house. We're doing everything. We have time for everything except God. We listen to Ricky Martin. We listen to Britney Spears. We listen to Marilyn Manson. We listen to everybody but God. And so we're missing the date with destiny. But not this young man. This young man begins to see the things of God. And when you see the things of God, it's powerful. You want to know why? When you start seeing the plans that God has for you, you begin to talk about them. And so over there in Genesis, I believe it's 37. In Genesis 37, he starts seeing the plans of God for his life. And when you see these things, you begin to talk about them. It says, chapter Genesis 37, verse 1, Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a foreigner, in the land of Canaan. And this is the history of Jacob. Joseph was 17 years old. That's how old I was when God began to show me and speak to me. He was feeding the flocks with his brothers. It says in verse 3 that Israel, his father, loved Joseph more than all his children because he was a son of his old age. He also made for him a tunic of many colors. You know, when we read the Bible and we see that somebody receives a coat, a garment, it sets you apart. Yesterday we went to a special birthday party, um, and me and my wife were dressed, and it, it must have been the afternoon, but we were dressed to kill, right? We were, we were looking good. And we're going through the mall, and the people are like, I wonder why these people are dressed like that. Because when you have special garments, they set you aside. People start saying, you know something, 
And, and these garments are not physical. I'm not talking about the physical. Let's go a little bit deeper. Some people have supernatural joy, and that's a garment. Some people are super serviceable. We went to, to Costco, to BJ's, and one of the girls that was there, she was being so diligent. I said, I would love for you. Do you go to a church? I would love for you to be a part of our church. She got a big smile. She says, why? I go, because you're super special. You, 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 the way you move about shows you're different than everybody here. There's something about you that's just different. And so God has given us all these garments to wear, and it sets us apart because he loves us. And so these qualifications that start taking place that set us apart as we pursue the Father's heart, and that's what, what some of us will do. We will pursue the heart of God. He will vest us with a tunic, with, with a coat of many colors. It will be impressive. I, I hope that you always tell people where you got your talents. My smile, God. My talents, God. My gifts, God. God has made me special. God has, has adorned me in a very powerful manner. His father had given them this uh, tunic of many colors, and it says his brothers, but when his brothers saw that the father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak in any, without irritation. They couldn't any, speak any kind words. They were just problematic with who he was and what he was doing. There was no peace. And so you, you say, was God making exceptions? Does anybody know God, a little bit of God? Does God have favorites? God does not have favorites. Listen, my grandfather had a favorite. It was my little brother. And my grandmother had a favorite. It was my cousin. It was amongst the, and so they would hide the candies and give them to them. They would take him on a special run. Well, you're going to McDonald's, but shh, don't tell nobody. And we're like, how's he going to McDonald's? We're not. They play favorites. And sometimes we think that God has favorites. He does not. Whoever honors God, God will honor them. Whoever takes God serious, God will take him serious. And amongst all these brothers, it's not that, they, that, that he was a favorite because the Bible says that they would lie to their dad I don't know any dad that loves a lying son. They, they would trick. They even destroyed their little brother. They grabbed them, threw him in a pit, sold him off as a slave. So that shows the character of these men who were not favorites. They had, they had bent their heart on doing what was wrong. And when you do that, like Cain did in the beginning, the first, the first of the Bible, it says that when he did wrong and killed his brother... No, actually, it was the first the offering. He brought a bad offering, and then he got sad. And then he went and killed Abel. And God says, if you don't do right, wouldn't it go better for you? If you purpose your heart to do right, wouldn't the favor of God come upon you? So here Joseph is living the call of God upon his life. And I just, I don't have very much time, but I just want to tell you this. It's going to be short and sweet. His purpose for your life is amazing. It's far beyond your imaginations. In fact, that which you're pursuing right now with all your heart, mind, and soul falls utterly short of the plans God has for you. You can chase these plans till you're 80 years old and you'll be left with empty promises. 
The Bible calls that vain living. It didn't have substance. It did not have significance. If you, a man were to live 2,000 years and not fulfill the purpose of God, it would have been better to have never lived. That's what the Bible says. The book of Ecclesiastes. It would have been better that you never would have lived. That you would, that, that you would have, I call it kidnapping. I call it hijacking. I call it taking your life and making it in, in, into another significance that God never intended. You, when you walk out on God's plan for your life, you're actually messing up your marriage. You're messing up your kids. You're messing up the future, the legacy, the plans God has for you. Almost always it's an exchange of rewards. You're getting something that falls super less than what God has planned. Falls super short. Of what God intended. And so in this regards, I want to let you know that in the life of Joseph, even though God had these plans for him, even though God has amazing plans, it was that Genesis 45 verse 26 that really hit me over the head like a baseball bat. And look what it says. This is many years later when Joseph is sold as a slave, when he's put in prison, accused of assaulting sexually, sexual was a harassment at his job. Joseph is, they said, and they told him saying, Joseph is still alive. Joseph is still alive. And what's more, since he's still alive, I want to add, he is also governor over all of Egypt. You know what that tells me? That the dreams that God had showed him, the dreams he talked about, the dreams he pursued, they came to pass. Everything that God had planned for Joseph, everything that God has planned for you, listen to me, they hated him for it. They spoke evil of him. On one occasion, he came looking for his brothers. His father says, go give your brothers a message. And when he came to the place where they had told their father they would be, they weren't there. So he looked around and finally found them. And when he found them as he was approaching, his brother says, here comes the dreamer. Here comes the guy who says that God has a plan for his life. I don't know how long you have to be a Christian before somebody considers you a nutcase. It probably takes a week. In fact, last, I think it was Thursday night here at the house of the Lord, uh, a couple young people came, and one of the boys was super touched by God and began to weep. And his friend had brought him, who had come here many times, but his friend that brought him says, hey, quit crying. What, what, what are you doing? What, what's, the guy was touched by God. And as he was walking out, we prayed for him. He reconciled with God. As he was walking out, his friend says, hey, here's a cigarette. He says, I'm not going back to that. He goes, oh, you're such a weakling. He didn't even take a step outside of the house of God, and he's already getting bashed for wanting to do what he knows God has called him to do. And so I want to tell you, and, and I want to be prophetic this, this morning. Prophetic means I want to speak into your future. I want you to know that you will realize the plans God has for you, and those that are around you will marvel and they'll say, Joey is still alive. And he's governor over all things. 
Blas is still alive. See, because people would want nothing more than for us to die and give up and to quit. I've been there many times, and I think that that's why this verse hit me so strong. Because I intend to be 89 years old and people saying, he's still alive. He's still going on with the call of God. He's still pursuing the heights. It's like, how, how high will he go? When will he crack? When will he give up? How much can he stand? And I want to hear those words. He's still alive. He's still alive. When his father heard these words, he says, and Joseph is still alive and he's governor over all the land. It says that the heart of his father stood still. And because he did not believe it, he was in shock. People are going to be in shock that you are going to get back up on the saddle, that you're going to get back on the horse. You're going to say, I'm going to do what God wants. I'm going to follow what God says. I'm going to pursue God with all my heart. No one's going to stop me. No one's going to stand in the way. I want the inheritance of the things God has spoken to my heart, the things he's shown me in dreams and visions. The plans he has for me, I'm going to obtain. And it says there that as he was going through this process in verse 28, they finally got him to the place. We could go to verse 27, I'm sorry. When they told him everything, Joseph had said to them. And when he saw the carts Joseph had sent to carry back, the provisions... And the spirit of their father Jacob revived, it says in verse 27. Our life should be an inspiration to others. Our others are expecting us to quit. I don't know if you have people that give you all the reasons in the world they can't be a warrior for Christ. Oh man, you know, the economy's hard. Oh no, my wife is really getting on me. Oh, you know, I really don't have a car now. And they give you all the reasons why they're not going to be faithful to God. Listen to me. I wake up every morning giving a thousand reasons why I will continue forward and pursue the call of God on my life. I want to come up not with the excuses that justify my backslidings, that justify my quitting, that justify my giving up. And there's a thousand of them. There's a thousand trials that we're going to hit. That's why the prophetic voice, Joseph is still alive. After everything he's gone through, he's still Moving in the direction of God. And so this, when you, when you put still alive before the word still alive, in verse 28, and Israel says, I am convinced that my son Joseph is not alive. He doesn't say, I'm convinced he's alive. He said, he's still alive. What does that tell you? What does still, and that's not being still, but that you have gone forward. That they hit him with a baseball bat, he goes forward. That they talk bad about him, he goes forward. That they cheat him, he goes forward. That they lie, they go forward. They betray him, they go forward. Loyal, forward. Not loyal, forward. Fall, get up, and go forward. And so that is why the emphasis hit me so hard in this aspect of this man is still alive. And his father says, I will go see him before I die. The word still alive says that he overcame sickness, discouragement. He overcame um, death and wanting to faint. It, 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 it says he's still breathing. And some people stop breathing. 
Some people let their spiritual air out. It says he's still making a declaration. He's still standing on the promise. He's still pursuing the purpose. And so we, we, we know the opposition. Listen to me. You have to be super naive to think there's no opposition in Christ. <laughs> you know what they did to me? Yes, I know what they did to you. You know what happened? Yes, I know what happened. Listen, if you do not rise above the occasion, there's not going to be Joseph is still alive. Jesus said these words to his followers in Matthew 10, 22. He says, because of me, you will be hated by all peoples. Did you miss that? Did you miss that? You thought that now you're the good guy. Now you're the Christian. Now the, you're going out of your way helping people and you get no appreciation. You get an attitude that, that really you say, well, if this is what Christianity is about, I'm going back to the world. Of course you are. Of course you are. Because you never understood it from the beginning that you better fight hand, foot, teeth, and nails to overcome. You need to pursue God with your full passion. And you will be hated by some people. Some people are not going to like. Listen to me. God says if you walk in his character, you will rub everybody wrong. Everybody. Nobody's going to say, hey, hey, I like you, man. Everybody's going to look at you. And, and then he says, but if you endure just a couple of months, if you endure a couple of years, if you endure to the end, you'll be saved. And that's what some people don't understand. And so with every cross hook, with every thrown in the pit like Joseph was, with that, listen, he was hated, thrown in the pit, and sold off like he was a total worthless piece of property by his brothers. And then he finds himself being purchased. I don't know if you've been purchased. A lot of people have been purchased. And then he finds himself accused. And then he finds himself in prison. And Joseph is still alive. He who endures. Hebrews 3 verse 6 says, This Christ who was son over his own house. And that house is us. He was faithful over us. And that little two-letter word, like still alive, it's if you go forward. He says, if we hold fast. Well, let me ask you a question. What if we don't hold fast? If you don't hold fast, your lamp will go out. You'll have no oil in your lamp. And the Bible says Jesus returned and there were ten virgins there. Five, no oil in the lamp. And Jesus says, depart from me. You didn't hang on. You didn't keep it real. You didn't keep it living. You didn't keep it authentic. You didn't keep it genuine. Your light went out. There is no substance in your pursuit of myself. If we hold fast to this confidence we have and 
we maintain a rejoicing hope. There's only one way. I'm going to give you the secret to, to keep rejoicing in the midst of hardship. Because I'll guarantee you one thing. In this world, you're going to have incredible setbacks, incredible anguish, tribulation. Expect it. Greet it as it comes. Here it comes. Here comes another one. Rejoicing hope. If you hold on to this confidence of rejoicing hope firm unto the end, you are part of his family. Hebrews 3.14 says, For we have become partakers of Christ. Well, how do we become partakers of all the things God has for us? He says, if, say with me, if, we hold on from the beginning to the end. If you hold on. How many people do you know that are no longer pursuing the call of God on their life? Who no longer believe God is with them? Who no longer believe that the promises of God are yes and amen? They're true to the end. God is not a liar. Let every man be a liar. Let God be true. Some people have not even heard the promises of God. Job 17 verse 9, he says, The righteous also shall hold on with all his might. And as he does so, he will become stronger and stronger. Let me ask you something. If you're becoming stronger and stronger at the gym, don't they have to put more weight on the bars? So why in Christianity are you expecting less weight? You already know, you're already pumping the little stuff. So they're going to pile on you the big stuff. They're going to call you every name in the book. You better be prepared to shine in the midst of that. You better be prepared to get stronger. You and this is what makes you a righteous warrior. This is what makes you be able to slay. I, I love, I think it was uh, Psalm 18. Let's go over there real quick. This is David. They, everything came up against David. He, they didn't even pick him on the day that they were picking kings. They had left him out. And in the midst of rejection, in the midst of feelings of despair, in the midst of Goliath, right? In all these things. The man is still alive. And so this is what he's saying. He says that in the midst of all these things, he's prepared to fight a, a greater battle. He's prepared to fight a heavier foe. Let me find that real, real quick for you guys. Because it's very important not only that you know this is in the Bible, but that you would declare it. That you would declare it as your steadfastness. Uh, Psalm 18 verse 29. He says like this. He says, for by my God I can run against a troop. By my God I can leap over the highest wall. His way is perfect. His word is proven. He's a shield to all those that come behind him as a refuge. I don't, I don't know what you're facing, but I, I want you to grab this word. I'm still going to be alive. I'm still going to be alive. I'm still gonna, and I'm going to be governor. And I'm going to know God, like it says in, in Genesis 45, verse 8. He says, you guys meant this to destroy me, but God had planned this so that I could become a great man on this world. You. He says, so it was not you who sent me through this process. 
It wasn't your brother. It wasn't your friend. It wasn't your family. It wasn't the ministry. It wasn't the pastor. It wasn't the, the teaching. It wasn't the business. It wasn't the economy. It wasn't the depression, the recession. It was God. So that he can show that you're still alive. I love that word in Spanish. And forgive my going into my Cuban roots, but it says, vivo y coleando. I'm still alive and I'm still wagging my tail. So I believe God. I want God. I know God. He's a faithful God. It doesn't matter how dark the storm is. It doesn't matter how great the weight is. The greater weight of glory shall be revealed. Greater weight, Lord, in Jesus' name. Greater weight of glory. Keeping our eyes on Jesus. This is the secret of overcoming. Hebrews 12, 2. By doing this... We will keep our eyes on Jesus, who's a champion, and he's perfecting our faith. And he suffered the cross and went through the shame and being despised. And he could do it with joy because he was looking what was set before him. Who for the joy that was set before him. Can you posture yourself as the polished product of God's grace? Can you see yourself? If you don't, you have to. That's the only thing that will sustain you. It's the only thing that will keep you. It's the only thing that will rise you up in the midst of the storm. It will strengthen you in days of weakness. When all have abandoned, when all have forsaken you, you will stand because of what? Because you know faithful is he who called. God will be faithful to bring you to a place of incredible rejoicing. Romans 12, 12, it says, while we're going through difficulty, we rejoice in hope. Romans 12, 12. Rejoicing in hope. Well, what do I do when I'm going through bad times? Be patient in tribulation. Be patient. Hold on. Grab a hold of somebody who's wise and stick close to them. You'll be able to hold on with them. Continuing steadfast in prayer. Remind God of what he's promised. Remind him of what you've seen. Remind God of his covenants with you. His promises. Talk with God. And that'll make you obtain what these men, great men. I, I, I see Daniel chapter 6. Everything is going crazy. And he's put into a lion's den. Verse 16. Daniel 6, 16. So the king gave order that they would bring Daniel through and throw him in the lion's den. And said to Daniel, hey buddy, may your dreams keep you now. These things you live for. May they rescue and deliver you. How is that the voice of Satan himself who's threatening you to throw you in a place you will not survive, you cannot survive? And then in the morning when he approaches the hole and he sees that Daniel is still alive, he, he must have said the same thing. Joseph is still alive. Daniel is still alive. David is still alive. Jesus at the tomb is still alive. Lazarus is alive. That's our inheritance. That's the grace of God's power and resurrection. I love this because he says, may God whom you serve keep you alive. In verse 17, he says, a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, the cave. And the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. No one could deliver him. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the whole night without eating and without being entertained, being brought to him. 
and he could not sleep. At the first glance of dawn, the king got up, verse 19, and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near to the den, he called to Daniel in a distressed voice. Hey, Joey. Hey, Maggie. Hey, Isabel. Hey, Pepe. Hey, Otto. Hey, William. Hey, Eric, you still alive, man. You were able to withstand? Listen to me. I want to say something because I don't want to surpass this. The, we're talking about tribulations, but talking about it is totally different than going through it. I want you to understand. And going through it, you're going to have to buckle your, your pants. You're going to have to hit the floor and ask God's grace and mercy. He called to Daniel in an anguished voice saying, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from these beasts? And Daniel said, may the king live forever. My God has sent his angel to shut up the mouth of lions. They have not hurt me because I was right in the Lord's eyes. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. And the Bible promises something. It says that all these trials and tribulations will be turned over on your enemies and those that withstand. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And Daniel was lifted from the den and there was not a wound found on him because he had placed his trust on God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den, verse 24, along with their wives and children. What a travesty. And before they reached the floor of the den, there were some hungry lions, and all of their bones were crushed. And Darius the king gave a great order to all the nations and people of every language upon the earth. May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom... People must fear and revere the God of Daniel, for he is the living God. He endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He's able to rescue and to save and perform miracles and wonders in heavens and on earth. He rescued Daniel from the power of lions so that Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus. I'm, I'm rejoicing even as we talk about this season for various scenarios Next year will be our 20th year in ministry, and, and it seems a long time, but our hearts are in God, and we have sown, and we're still alive. We're still alive. You guys could imagine. Just put your thoughts to imagine how many things we have overcome in the grace of God. And so another 20 years will go by, and people are going to say, they're still changing the world. They're still living for God. They're still pursuing the vision God gave them. They're pursuing the dreams. And we will be the provision to many people. And those that went before us will say, man, they're still going. You're still going. I'm still going. We're all still going for the high mark in Christ Jesus. Let's stand this morning. I want to encourage you in Galatians 6 verse 9. It says, do not grow tired of doing excellence. For there is a season coming that you will reap if you do not faint. I've learned something. Stay close to people who don't faint. Speak the words of a faithful God. Wait upon the Lord. See what God has for you. 
pursue his call. This has a many facets to this message. Some of you are just starting. Some of you are halfway there. And some of you are at the end. And they're about to say, Joseph is still alive. And he's the governor over all things. God has made him the head and not the tail. He's dictating law. Those people that have influence and power are saying that, that he's a part of the kingdom. He's a part of the governing body of that kingdom. It says Joseph became the father of Pharaoh. He was teaching the king all the principles he had learned the whole way. He could not have taught any of the principles if he had not suffered them. He couldn't have taught anything if he didn't go through those lessons. If he did not walk faithfully, if he did not sustain himself. Hebrews, 10, uh, Hebrews 6 verse 10, it says, For God is not unrighteous to just flush everything down the toilet and overlook your efforts and service of love, which you have, which you have shown in serving his people, as you still do. Verse 11 says, But we do desire for each of you to show the same diligence, the same excellence, with sincerity, enjoying the full assurance and that everything you're hoping for shall come to pass if you hold on to the end. I don't know what's at the back side or the, the far side of what God has promised, but you're going to see the glory. You will see the glory of your faithfulness. You will see the glory of your call. You will see the glory and the fruits of not having failed, not having fainted. Let's go ahead and sing this song to the Lord. You raise your hand and you say, this is my word. This is my word. This is prophetic to me. What God has promised shall come to pass. I will see his glory. I will see his fruitfulness. I will see my dreams and my visions come true. Hallelujah.